Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1250. Yes, indeed, I am a quarter of the way to 5,000 episodes. Holy crow. And today on the podcast, we're finally, finally going to talk about the biggest wild card in the sequel trilogy, and that would be Captain Phasma. Punch it, Chewie. This is Bobby Roberts, formerly of Full of Sith, and you are listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and the Captain Phasma novel by Delilah Dawson, we have not talked about that on the podcast, but... You know, we are just a few days away from The Last Jedi. Oh my gosh, can you believe that we're actually getting to say we're just a few days away from The Last Jedi? In fact, in fact, we are nine days away. Yeah, it would have been ten from the official December 15th date, but of course it is coming out in the United States here in early evening showings on December 14th. So we are in single digits now. Oh boy. And Phasma... Oh, she is a rather interesting cat. If you have not had a chance to read the Phasma novel, I think you might enjoy it. Though having said that, I'm going to spoil the whole novel for you in this podcast. And hey, it's been out for three months, okay? So, you know, if you haven't read it already, then you probably should be okay with me just telling you about it. But, but on the off chance that you're not, save this podcast for a later date. It will be waiting for you when you are ready. Now, at the top, I said that Phasma is the real wild card of the sequel trilogy. And the novel Phasma by Delilah Dawson gives you the foundation for arriving at that conclusion. Long story short, she grew up on a planet called Parnassos. And this is somewhere in the unknown regions. And some sort of cataclysm happened on this planet to basically make it really difficult to live, at least in some areas of the planet. And unfortunately, Phasma was trapped in one area where, you know, if she had only been able to get to another part of the planet and her people had been able to get to another part of the planet, everything would have been great. And instead, she grew up on this rather rocky, forbidding and generally uncomfortable stretch of land that is referred to as the Skyre. And the people are the people of the Skyre, et cetera, et cetera. She had a brother named Keldo and... What do you know? So here's where things get wild with Phasma. Over the course of the novel, you find out that they were not always part of the Skyre, Phasma and her brother, and a few other people in their clan. But Phasma actually made a deal with the people of the Skyre to join their clan when otherwise they would have just been utterly wiped out. And to make it happen, she actually stabbed her brother in the leg, causing him to get an infection that made him lose his leg as an excuse to keep him out of the battle, but also as a means of undercutting any hope for leadership that he might have. Later on, when Keldo wanted to make peace with a neighboring tribe, Phasma was utterly and completely against it. And she took her best warriors, the best warriors of the Skyre, and abandoned her brother and the Skyre. Just period paragraph. Now, there was a rather compelling reason for her to do this, potentially, and that arrived in the form of Brendel Hux. Yes, indeed. Brendel Hux, the father of our crazy, raging, screaming Armitage Hux from The Force Awakens. 
Brendel was out bopping about the unknown regions looking for recruits for the First Order. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, recruits, right? When his ship was shot down by Parnassos's automated defense systems, the ship crashed in the middle of nowhere, but the escape pod landed in that neighboring territory, and Phasma showed up basically to say, hey, we're your best bet to survive and get you back to your ship. Not only that, but Phasma's plan was actually to get off Parnassos entirely. As far as she and any of her people knew, most ships that were in the sky were shot down with no survivors and no hope of getting off the planet. There was really nothing left in the planet for them to even bother caring about. But Brendel Hux and a couple of stormtroopers survived, and they said, hey, if we can get back to our ship, we can call the First Order to come for help. And if you help us do it, then we will take you off planet and you can join the First Order and be wealthy and rich and powerful and all that fun stuff that bad guys like to promise you. But Phasma took the deal and managed to kill everybody in her way just about, including her brother who came along in her footsteps, followed her all the way across Hekingon to find where this ship was, able to track her down along with the remaining people of the Skyre, but Phasma basically just said, yeah, this ain't happening, and even killed Keldo herself and saw that everybody was just wiped out. With the exception of one person named Siv who was left to die, but she actually managed to survive. That's a whole other thing that I'm not even going to bother explaining to you, but trust me, she did. But now here's where things get freaky with Phasma, because she decided that she did not want anybody who had any idea of what she was on Parnassus to live, basically. And the only remaining person who knew her from Parnassus is Brenda Lux. So what does she do? Well, they have these nasty little beetles that they encountered during their journey from the sky to where Brendel's ship crashed. And she captured one and... All indications are, and she planted it on Brendel Hux so that it would bite him and ultimately create a you know disease and affliction that would destroy him in a really disgusting and messy way. But the thing of it is, based on the events of the novel, you get the clear implication that Armitage Hux knew all about it, A, that Phasma was the one who did it, and B, the very strong implication that he might have been a collaborator or co-conspirator in the process. And personally, I think that means that Hux Armitage, specifically Armitage Hux, has a target on his back because now he is someone who knows about Phasma double dealing on Brendel, and you would think, based on the way Phasma operated in the novel, that she would be so cold-blooded as to figure out a way to kill Hux, Armitage, that is, any time she had the opportunity to do so. And again, that would be just to cover her tracks, basically. So it's funny when we talk about the Captain Phasma comic book series, as we did a while back, how Phasma shut down the shields for Starkiller Base, but then went and made sure that she killed anybody who might possibly know that she did it. You see a pattern emerging. You see her as someone who is not necessarily loyal to the First Order, somebody who is simply loyal to herself and who is trying to basically create as much of an air of mystery about herself as possible so that nobody has a handle on who she is or what she might do. And speaking of not having a handle on who she is, let's talk about who she is underneath that helmet, which I'm going to do after the break. Stay tuned. 
This podcast is brought to you by Nissan and the Star Wars Droid Repair Bay Virtual Reality Experience. It's the official virtual reality story connected to The Last Jedi, powered by Nissan, created by the folks at ILM X Lab. You get to repair BB-8 and his astromech friends so they can roll back into battle with First Order. You can find it at select Nissan dealerships by going to sw7x7.com slash DRB. Yeah, that stands for Droid Repair Bay. And scroll down the page a bit until you find the Droid Repair Bay experience. Once again, sw7x7.com slash DRB to find it near you. Welcome back. All right, so of course one of the great mysteries is what does Captain Phasma look like underneath that helmet of hers? Well, the thing is, is that on Parnassos, as they are going through this terrible ordeal to try to get to Brendel Hux's ship, they get captured and they're put in an arena to fight, basically. This is the real short summary of things. And there's a giant of a creature in there that ultimately wallops the heck out of Phasma, like just pounds her down into the ground and destroys her face, like bloodies her up, like awful, just bruised, battered, whatever, and she does not show her face again. She, in fact, ends up taking the stormtrooper helmet that belonged to one of the First Order stormtroopers that ultimately didn't survive all of the events of the Phasma novel, and she starts wearing that on a regular basis to hide her bruised, battered, and bloody face. And it does not get taken off until the very end of the Phasma novel. She does it as sort of a last how-do-you-do to somebody that she has basically just about killed. Although, that character is going to survive, too. That's another story for tomorrow or something. But... The description of her face as revealed from under the helmet is that it pretty much looks like what Gwendolyn Christie looks like. Not battered or bruised or misshapen or anything weird like that at all. Healed up perfectly fine and nicely, but just nobody's seen her without that helmet unless they are dead at this point. And aside from the one who survived and the one who survived on Parnassus, so there are at least two people who still know what she looks like underneath that helmet. But as of the end of the novel, she only knows about the existence of one of those two people being alive. So she says that she's going to have to go correct that, and I'm sure she will, but there seems to be some time. This novel takes place present day wise, takes place in between Bloodline and The Force Awakens, so in between that six year period before The Force Awakens, and it seems like it's probably closer to the events of Bloodline than it is to The Force Awakens. There's nothing that indicates that things of The Force Awakens are imminent as part of the events of the book, but who knows? For sure, it hasn't been stated clearly. Anyway, that's all we're going to talk about with Phasma today, but there is more to talk about, including the framing story around which Phasma is built, which involves a resistance spy and a First Order training officer, not unlike Captain Phasma, and yet very unlike her. But again, that'll be tomorrow. So in the meantime, thank you for listening today, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before your head gets stuck on a battle droid body, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if the show's been worth your time, please support us at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a series of bad puns, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is-
is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, or their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.